Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The world's longest running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Hello everybody, it's John Hangdorf here, just after 8 o'clock on a Wednesday evening. Good to have your company, it's the 12th of August, the glorious 12th. The llama is out shooting grouse uh, this evening, The so won't be joining us. Uh, it is a Series 10, Episode 31, as we've been seeing for quite some time. That will be all very important in next year's Series 11. Nobody's guessed why that is yet. Uh, and up in London is our executive producer, Tim Gray. Good evening, Tim. Good evening, John. And I'm on a patch. You are. You're very quiet to me. And on a pra- program tonight, we have what? Uh, we have not very much because it really is a bit of a slow news week. A slow news week, is it? Yeah. Right, Tim, you're not going to the listener at all at the moment. Yes, I am. I'm just okay. uh, not as loud as you are. Okay. Um, okay, then we probably need to lose the bed really early so we can hear ourselves. Okay. There we go. Much better. No, that's only to you. All right, Everyone excellent. Else lost it hours ago. Okay. <laughs> uh, good to know it's all working as per usual. I'm sitting outside with a nice glass of, uh, of red at the moment and. So the uh, the weather is beautiful here in the UK at the moment. Uh, the sun just about to set over the uh, River Middle and Nen. And uh, we should, with a bit of luck, have... Uh, we should, uh, with a bit of luck, have Nick Damon joining us this evening, who is on special assignment. Are we allowed to say where, t- where Nick is, Tim? Yes. Okay. Uh, apparently the bed's still going out to the listener and is no, way too not. loud. Uh, the uh, Nick Damon, where are you? I am where the tulips and the fjords and not fjords, fjords. the canals, the fjords, the canals, and Anne Frank comes from. Yes, I've, I've got confused with the Norwegian blue. Now I am in Amsterdam. Right. Okay. I'm actually in a hotel by an industrial park near the airport, and nowhere near the the attractive uh, centre of uh, of Amsterdam. Right. So. Uh, and Bed's still playing over Nick to the no, listener, by the way. Okay, I'm having listeners tell me they're still hearing it over no. Nick. So, um, the Bed is not playing at all. So, uh, is Bed's that anywhere right near? Room. <laughs> is it? Is it near where I went to do that Renault Formula One launch all those years ago? Did you go very close to the airport? Ah, do you know what? I have no did. clue. It, was, uh, it sounds like very similar to what you're talking about. Well, I'm in a place called Amstelveen, which is near okay. Amsterdam, but it's. No, it's sort of 
Oh, the, the, it's not like on the flight path, it's, it's, it's on the side of it, so you can see them coming in and landing, but they don't fly over. So it's in parallel with the runway of Schiphol Airport. Schiphol? Schiphol, I do, yeah. I do like, quite, I quite like Schiphol Airport as an airport to route through, actually, if I'm honest. It's being rebuilt at the moment. I was <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, are you, quite nice. are you on, are you out there for midweek motorsport or motorsport type work, Nick? Well, Are you going to bring us back a, a, a Dutch exclusive? There, there could be all sorts of exclusives. I'd like to point out that I have been to Sweden this week, and next week I'm going to Denmark. Ooh, Scandinavians are us, then. Absolutely. Before I trip to Abu Dhabi in about four weeks' time. You're going to have a party oh. out there? Yes. Or are you going to get a haircut? <laughs> Either way, that would be a great Abu Dhabi do. Hey! I found out today that the European version of the Nissan GT Academy is in Abu Dhabi in October. Right. The European version's in Abu Dhabi. And everywhere version? else is at Silverstone. Yeah. Silverstone. Is that because I think it's an advantage to have Europe... To, no, because they're all European. No, uh, that doesn't make any sense at all. Or perhaps it's, it's just a side look. No, no, it's a change. It's just to make things different. Is it because the gamers stay in all the time that they get all pasty if they're taking somewhere in the sun to get some colour on the skin? Could be. Could be. Or it could be that it's just somewhere different because they've always done it in Silverstone. Quite like that idea, actually. It's not as far from Rob Bath to, uh, to travel from his, his usual home in Dubai. Yes, that's true. Spoke to Rob today. The, uh, it was indeed the international version of uh, the Nismo Nissan GT Academy and Australia were the winner this evening. Despite, for the first time, not winning... The match race at the end. So, well done to Matthew, who won it for Australia. It was I won by Turkey. I thought Yamadabra didn't win the match race. Uh, no, I think he did. I think this I is thought, the first I, time. I thought the fact was he didn't win it, which is why the guy who won it was really upset. But they recognised the potential in Yan, and that was an even bigger indictment of how good the series was. Because I'm pretty sure he didn't win that. But I admit it may be, may be an urban legend almost, but I know the bloke who, who won something or got the most points was really upset he wasn't chosen, but I think they've been proven right in first. Well, yes, indeed. Uh, I'm trying... At the moment, I've got an issue with internet here, so I can't see any apologies for absence, uh, which I'm trying to get onto the interweb for. Can I uh, make a comment about apologies for absence? You may, of course. Uh, last week... Let me go back to Twitter so I can find it. Mm-hmm. Last week, someone apologised for absence. Mm-hmm. Where's my Twitter gone? Have I lost it? Oh, we've broken well, Twitter. Um, last week, someone apologised for absence because they were watching a baking show. Yeah, that's not good enough. That's not that's not an acceptable apology. I just DVR the baking show. It's fine. If you were making your own cakes mm-hmm. uh, or other baked goods, that would be a reasonable excuse but if you're just watching other people do it on television not a suitable excuse I'm not even sure that baking well you see if you were baking your own you could be listening to us as you went along you could well, be it sounds like a yeah. perfect combination mm, absolutely I'd like to point out I've just, I've just had a very disappointing lime cheese going oh really mm. I'd like to point out that I had strawberries and cream uh, and haven't made a lime cheesecake although I did buy uh, a large quantity of limes today so that's something that uh, could happen in the future. Or a caipirinha. Ooh, caipirinhas. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a better use of lime. Thank you very if, much. Uh, <laughs> if I'm honest, well done, Nick. You've just won the show. <laughs> I'll, I'll get it back to you. It's fine. 
Uh, moving on, what do you have for us, Tim? Uh, okay, uh, we need to play another jingle. Okay. What, what volume? This one. Loud. <laughs> now I can't hear that. There's only Neither one can nobody I. can hear it. <laughs> Maybe louder than that, then. Is it the news jingle? It's not. I'm guessing. Oh, right, okay. Uh, so just bear with me a moment, and we'll... Uh, you talk among ourselves? You can talk among yourselves, yeah. Right, I, I can fill by saying uh, this Saturday, because there's very little motorsport this weekend, uh, this Saturday, August the 15th, over at Banbury, Base Performance are having their fifth birthday party, but it's a birthday party with a difference, because from 11 o'clock in the morning till 8 o'clock in the evening, both the simulator rooms will be open and available for anyone to drive in return for a small donation to the Sean Edwards Foundation. A barbecue, uh, some fizz for the people who aren't driving, and for those with a competitive edge, there's an opportunity to try and set a lap record in the single-seater simulator to see who will win the annual Base Performance Simulator Challenge. Um, It's a great course, of course, close to our hearts. I was landing in the Far East when I got the news that Sean Edwards had been killed whilst he he was uh, instructing in uh, Eastern Australia and the foundation that now bears his name works to prevent uh, consequences of accidents from being as serious. They lobby for, implement and promote a number of driver and track safety initiatives as well as a change in attitudes. Um, So if you go onto uh, the website and look, onto the internet rather, and look up Base Performance Simulators, uh, you'll be able to find how you can uh, get uh, involved. You need to register uh, to get over there, which is from 11 to 8 on Saturday. And if you're in the middle of, uh, if you're in the middle of uh, England or within a decent drive of that, then you should be able to get over there and have a great bit of fun. I did some sim work in there before I went and raced the Janetta, which was massively uh, massively beneficial to me it's really very good and Ella and the rest of the team will be delighted to see you on Saturday raising money for a great cause right Tim and you can make a weekend of it why well you're in Banbury and Sunday it's the Brackley Bike Festival oh is it really did you not get the 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 mail oh I thought that was last week no it's this weekend excellent well I've got something to do on Sunday now (laughs) alright moving now Oh, yes, wait a minute, Mr. Postman. Wait, wait, Mr. Postman. So that is the jingle we have uh, when someone sends us a letter, John. Really? Okay. Uh, we never heard it, and we're too loud to the listener. <laughs> That's We're getting you there. You didn't want to hear any jingles. Now you've got it. Uh, so who uh, sent us a letter this week? It wasn't was it a letter. It was a uh, comment on Facebook. Oh, oh okay. Uh, from Alex uh, Serditch, who says, "When will I be able to start submitting questions for the Christmas quiz?" Uh, ah, that's a good question. A late the last couple of years, I've d- decided to start preparations early. Uh, and have a couple of hopeful humdingers on the cards. Humdingers, okay. Well, it's well, as long as it's not how many, um, how many shifts do you, how many gear shifts do you make in a lap of something? It's uh, these ones where 
It's just a number Barry plucked Saunders. out of nowhere. Barry I don't want to hear any of those this the year. MGTA in 1957. What was his average RPM whilst going through the uh, down the yeah, North exactly. Sand Strait Part Two? Don't need that. I want how many times has Jackie Stewart won the World Championship? Hmm. What's his favourite okay. chocolate bar? How do they? How does anybody uh, submit questions, Tim? Well, we'll be giving listeners the answer to that question. Uh, in our show on November the 4th. Have we, set well a, have we set a date for the Christmas quiz yet? Uh, we'll have yes. to ask a responsible adult that one. Isn't okay. it for week before Christmas? No, Christmas Eve's the not 20th. necessarily. Oh. I, I, I think it should be the week, either the the last week before, the last Wednesday before Christmas, or it should be the Wednesday bef- between Christmas and New Year. The responsible adult has different ideas, and okay. when she's ready to announce the date, she will. <laughs> <laughs> Wednesday between Christmas and New Year, I won't be there. Oh, really? Yes, Can we um, not have you from a beach in Burundi or wherever it is you go to? No, I'll be in, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the... I'm going away... Oh, to Burundi landlocked? Well, not, not anymore. Um, are we, I mean, there is, a, there is a thought, and now this is linked into something. I've been, I've been sent a message today, or, or last week I sent a message, and you couldn't do it because I, I forgot. Uh, from our favourite bartender and bar yes. owner, Don, mm-hmm. where it's still my ambition to actually hold the Christmas quiz at the yes. Cookie uh, yes. He said, could you say hello? Could you say hello to my new bartender Dominic? All and right. Yes, he got the job because he mentioned he goes to Le Mans every year and listens to your show every week. Well, that seems to be a reasonable, uh, a reasonable criteria for for employing anyone. I would have thought. Does that mean he doesn't work on Wednesdays though? No. Oh, <laughs> Very good. Or in the middle of June. <laughs> I would suggest that possibly if both Alan and now Dominic are avid listeners to this show, then service might be a little bit slow on a Wednesday night. Mm. And in the middle of June. Mm. Mm. Well, in the middle of June, Alan, goes, Alan was, was in the um, pits um, with Murphy, wasn't he? Yes, he was. He was. Uh, shall we do some motorsport news? It's now quarter past and we haven't really managed any of that yet. There's not a lot of it, but I'll, um, it's true. I'll play the jingle. Okay. All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. What do you got for us, Tim? Have you shuffled papers? Or is it really that bad this week? I can shuffle the one bit of paper. (laughs) I don't think you can shuffle a piece of paper, can you? No. No. You can just just move it around a bit. Yes. Mm. Uh, So, our top story this week... Mm-hmm. Uh, relates to a multiple Formula One world champion, really, who died twenty years ago. Uh-huh. Ah, now this is this is this is very interesting, isn't it? The body of Juan Manuel Fangio was exhumed on Friday to try and resolve two separate paternity cases. I, I funny enough, I only asked the responsible adult yesterday when we were driving back from the airport. Well, actually, when we were driving back from me doing mobile one. Did the you grid. ask her, Is Juan Manuel Fangio my father? Yes, I did. I, actually, I said, I see that one Manuel Fangio has been exhumed. What for? And, of course, the responsible adult being on the case said, paternity suits. Ah, OK. So, why does this make any... Is somebody claiming a huge amount of money or something? Uh, actually, no. Uh, one of them, uh, one of the claimants is Ruben Vasquez, uh, who says, uh, who's now 73, by the way. Right. He says, I'm not after money. I'm 73. I, I just want to clarify whether <laughs> I'm Fangio's teeth. son. The paternity request was started a long time ago, and I've had to come overcome a lot of obstacles and red tape. 
There are no economic interests in my quest. I just want to be recognised for the Fangio surname. What's his name at the moment? Uh, Ruben Vasquez. Right. So Now, he claims that his mother, uh, who died aged 103 in 2012... Good innings! Uh, ...had signed papers in the presence of a notary public claiming That's that Fangio was her son's father. Really? Yes. Mm. He said, I've, I have no contact with the Fangio family, and of course I'd like to know them. Mm. Now, the other paternity... Because, of course, the best way to really impress your new family is to dig up Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> no, Dad, not Grandpa. Well, no, he'd be someone's grandpa. They would, actually, they would be no, grandpa, he wouldn't. It's the point. He has no children, officially. Officially, he has no children. He never married. Uh, the other uh, claimant is Oscar Espinosa, uh, a former racing driver who reached uh, Formula 3, uh, mm-hmm. where he was known as Cacho Fangio. Sorry, Cacho Fangio? Why was he called that? I don't know. That was just his nickname. Uh... He says that his mother, Andrea Beverway, uh, had a long relationship with Fangio uh, that lasted until 1960. Uh, Espinosa is currently 77, so that would fit. Mm. So this is two old blokes who want the Fangio name? Yes. Okay. But not any money. But all the money is going but to be trust. But they haven't got any money, though, have they? That's why I asked that. The money's all in a trust. Is it? Nick? Yes. Yeah, it's all in a trust. It, it was all in a charitable trust because Fangio died officially childless and, and never actually married. Um, you know, I'm sure he had a, a number of exciting times with, with the crumpet, with Sterling Moss and that sort of thing. So, well, you know, if they are, if they are uh, his, his sons... Uh, Progeny, you know, yes. Good luck to them, you know. They, 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 if they genuinely just want the name and they don't want the money, then they know, I wish them all the best. They may well what be more. they want the money? Well, then I think it's still wish them the best. Well, I think it's a bit more cynical then, isn't it? Well, is it, though? Well, I don't know. Actually, is, it, is it wrong for anyone to want to know who they are and where they've come from? Do you know what? You're actually probably right there, in fairness. John, I think you have made a good point there. It is everyone's right to... Or it should be everyone's right to know their origin. Who do you think you are? Well, that's you a great TV series many about that, couldn't you? I think you could make a really good TV. We should write that down. Oh, may have no. already been done. Uh, moving on. All right. Lotecías en español. Ole. Por Midweek Motorsport. Can I, so I can have a bit of a point of order before we go on? Mm-hmm. Yes. If that generally was all the news, we've got an hour and 41 left. Yeah. We'll, we'll be fine. It's going to be a long evening. <laughs> there was bikes well, at the weekend. <laughs> yes. I actually, on my running order, I do have um, the word bikes right at the top, mm. but it's written in such small letters I missed it. <laughs> so we'll come back to that. <laughs> yes, Excellent. we may need to. Go well. Go on, carry on. Pirelli piensa en compuestos más blandos. Well, there we go. Mm-hmm. Pirelli, obviously, yes, obviously, are making things very bland. Really? Do you think that's what that means? Yeah, just bland. Okay. A little bit bland. We'll see. We'll see. El sumistrado de pneumáticos de la Formula One Pirelli. Dice que está pensando en la posibilidad de introducir un quinto compuesto más blando de cara a la temporada 2016. Well, it's, it's quite interesting because what they've actually said is that 
they are looking to make it four to five times quinto five times more bland next year yes yeah they've decided absolutely too much excitement last two races have been too exciting they mm-hmm. have to make it exactly and of course it's a very scientific sport correct right? Yeah. Correct. You need to be able to quantify everything. I've gained two points of downforce. I've lost one degree of, of drag, but I'm making it five times blander with my new tyre design. Yeah, absolutely right. A pneumatico mass blando, se situaria por debajo del super blando actual. <laughs> Así que se trataria de una versión mas blanda todavía, todavía no se ha escogido la nomenclatura Exacta, explica on Portavoz de Pirelli. Yeah, well, see, I think uh, you've missed. I think you've missed this, Nick. Yeah, go on. I think this is Massimo Bland, right? Mm. I think they're talking about their new test driver, Massimo Blando, Mas Bland. Uh, yeah. Is that the same Massimo Blando who, when you take him uh, into the nearest phone booth, can change himself to Super Blando? The latest Ex- superhero. There you go. There you go. You've you've got the nuance there of the dialect. And I think what's happening here is that Pirelli have noticed the trend, and the most successful people currently within the uh, the, the entertainment industry are, of course, Marvel Comics with their range of superheroes. Correct. Correct. And so what they've decided to do is they need to cash in with Super Blando, the Pirelli Man. Because obviously. Yes. Michelin, well, Michelin, you see, Michelin have done that for a hundred years. Exactly. They got to bend him. He's even lost weight recently, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. Now we're going to have Super Blando, the Pirelli hero. And where instead of being the fabulous four, right, mm-hmm. it's five times, yeah. right? You you got the five, right? Yeah. Five times. So it's the fabulous bland five. Well, you know Mass why it's bland five, and the fabulous. Why is it five? Because in 2016, a fifth tire is going to be added. They're going to have super, super soft, super soft, soft, medium and hard. So there's going to be five dry tyres for the Quinto Super Bland team. It's not like they're going to be like the Power Rangers, all dressed in a different colour of the various tyre types. Excellent. They'll all be in mankinis. Absolutely. Yellow, white, red. (laughs) There you go. Unfortunately, the one who's into, obviously, not sure which way. You know, apparently, apparently they've already cast that. It's uh, it's going to be uh, Caitlyn Jenner. Okay, seems reasonable. Moving on. Pirelli, que es el único suministrador de la Formula One desde 2011 en Tierra en uh, 2016, su último año en Vigor. Y se disputaba oh. el próximo contrato para el periodo 2017-2019 con la marca francesa Michelin. Well, you see, there you go. Because they're they're talking about someone with a contralto voice there, obviously, mm. and you and the other. Giving me that little, little bit again. Wait, what was that word that you no, emphasised? It's, it's fine because what what it actually is, it's very interesting. You know, again, they're they're trying to get off the Marvel. You know how Marvel have got all their their film releases planned in advance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's Fantastic Four, then it's Winter Soldier, this sort of thing. And coming yes. out, we have Batman v Superman. They are planning in 2017 to 2019 to release Super Blando against Michelin Man. Yes, they're going to exactly. have a kind of a coming together, the two things for a big fight off. The cinema coming to you in 3D, IMAX, and possibly even 4D. Yes. The word exactly. was Vigor. Vigor. Now, Vigor used to be a tyre manufacturer, I think, if you look back. Uh, for, so is, uh, I, I, I think 
Um, or, or could it be Simon Vigor from Channel 5 News in the UK? So is he going to be... Oh, oh, right, hang on. He's going to be the referee of the big fight between Super Blando and the Michelin Man, Ambi Bendham. He's the five Super Blandos, isn't it? So I'm not sure that's a fair uh, fight. Uh, Who's Michelin well. Man going to have on his side? There's champion spark plug bloke. He's always around and inflatable. <laughs> I know. Where's Firestone? Where's the Firestone Firehawk? That's what I want to oh, know. Tire wars, literally. Yes, absolutely. That's what they've worked out. You see, when I see all all these. All these kids who are doing the, uh, the doing the social media, the heroes talking about tyre wars and how good they are, and they've gone completely the wrong way on this, haven't they? Well, it has to be. We have to. If F1 needs to engage the youth again. Youth. Youth with an F. Yeah, with an F. <laughs> with an yeah. F. With with a V. Yeah. And F. Youth with an F. Yeah. Uh, that's the end of news in Spanish. Okay. Uh, so the beginning of a whole new uh, you know universe. This week. Uh, we have some bike news, and uh, Carry I'm on. pleased to announce that uh, bike correspondent Nick Damon is joining us. He is. Hello, Nick. I am your bike. Cor- what do you want to know about bikes this week? Uh, it was the uh, Grand Prix of Indianapolis, wasn't it? It was. it was, and it was won by Mr. Mark Marquez, back mm-hmm. back in form, winning Saxon Ring. Um, what does Paul he Geller- say about it? He said it's not up to me anymore. I still can't win the championship. It's down to everyone else losing. Is did that he say true? that, did he? He did say that. Is it true, wow. Nick? Uh, how many rounds to go? Eight rounds? There are eight to go. Yes, he, he's, he's, and he's 41 points behind, isn't he? Yep, so he needs to get so theoretically, five and a bit per so round. Theoretically, he can't win if uh, Valentino's second every time. Oh, uh, really? But I think that's unlikely. Um but yeah, so the uh, Honda was back on form, though. In fairness, um, Lorenzo was 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 only was battling in the entire race, and it was down to the last couple of laps. And it could, well, it could have gone either way, but you don't know. But it wasn't a big margin. Rossi did his usual thing of, of stymieing himself by having a rotten qualifying, working out what was going on in in warm up, and then sorting the bike out and going very much quicker during the race and getting through into third and going past Pedrosa. Um, the Ducati lack of renaissance continues. They've they've got a kind of a bit of a, they seem to have got stuck after a great start in, in getting the bike moving forward and developing because you know it's been about four different tracks it's not it's dropped way off i don't think it helps they've got both their drivers riding slightly injured as well um and uh yeah and the rest of the rest so really yeah there are three in any race where they finish those three riders are going to be first second and third so the combinations for marquez to win the championship need to mean he's going to need at least to win at least six of the races and have the other two finish in the right order yeah, so like is, further down. It is very difficult. And, and that's, that's a, that has, I mean, the thing about MotoGP, it is very, very exciting. It's great racing, but it is very difficult when realistically there's only four four bikes that can win and one that's ridden by Danny Pedrosa, there's only three bikes that can win. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and therefore to gain big points and what Marquez has done, which uh, Rossi hasn't done or Lorenzo, he's actually fallen off to, twice. Lorenzo's had a couple of duff races. Uh, and, of course, Rossi has been on the podium every single race this year. Mm. Which is a remarkable start, isn't it? Thirty-six when yeah. motorcycling is unbelievably tough on the body. I mean, we've talked about this before, but it's it's worth saying again what a remarkable start that is. It, he is having the season of his life. I don't, you know, he, he may or may not win the championship. He may or may not win another race, 
But you cannot deny that his performances this year have been absolutely out of this world. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, in, it's almost... It, it, in, in, in motorcycling, that once you start to go down, it's very, very hard to come back up again because of the physical damage you can repetitively do to your body by falling off the bike, even it. You know, all the riders fall off. A lot of them, they're, you know, they're not all massive high sides with huge... With huge um, spectacular results I mean, they, they'll they'll low side they'll slide off the bike all of them a couple of times or markets goes about five or six times every uh, every, every every season and, they, and those slides at 19 100 miles now yes they've got airbags they've got leather they still hurt they still take toll of your wrists and your fingers and your ankles and that sort no, of no no absolutely um you know i mean i think i think, you know, I think possibly you know motorcycle i think motorcycle sport probably is the toughest of all uh, instead of all motorsports i think it may be one of the toughest of all the sports and you know MotoGP for the speed and, and motocross for the sheer violence of, and, and regularity of the accidents. But, you know, the, these guys, you know, to last as long as Rossi has the top of his game is a massive testament to his talent and also his ability to preserve himself. I, I just think this year, we'll look back on this year in a few years to come. And I don't think Rossi's done, by the way, but I, I think we'll look back on this year. And if he continues with this amazing run of podium finishes and there's nothing to suggest that he he might not nick i think we'll look back on this year in you know five or ten years time and and look back on this and say that was the year whether or not he wins the championship i just think this is a remarkable performance from him i agree timing mean, i've had two very bad years at ducati where he couldn't ride the, the bike and, and mm. his tarnished reputation for cash came back was was outrun by lorenzo and they so just turned it round and it's it's the fact that he's now back up with the best of the 25-year-olds and 22-year-olds or 23-year-olds in market in this case. And he's able to run with them. He's changed his style. He's, he's kept on growing and moving. That's a remarkable thing. It's, it's not, in many ways, it's not actually the result. It's the fact that he's managed to rebuild his, his, his reputation as the, the greatest of modern times. They say greatest of all time. I don't think you can compare the eras of certainly the greatest of modern times i mean I, i'm not even sure whether you can you can go back as far as mcdoon and compare them because it was different but certainly since the turn of the century he's by far and away the best and you know and i think unless marquez and carol doing what he's doing for another 10 years that will stay the same way um but it is it, it, i just marvel at the, at his ability and, and you know the fact is motor gp is incredibly lucky because motor gp is still valentino rossi um, he is the reason people watch. He is the reason people go, vast numbers of people go to the tracks. Even in Spain, they're going to see Rossi, and they've got mm. th the other three top four drivers, uh, riders. Sorry, and it is it is the the ca the charisma of the guy in a in a increasingly bland sporting arena. And I, I think, by the way, I, I think exactly mass bland is super bland. I, I do think Marquez is 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 also a a, a good character as well. But you know, um, you know, I think it's it, that's what's kept MotoGP. Uh, in the spotlight, despite its best attempt to shoot itself in the foot by going pay to pay per view and things like that. Uh, young Marquez did decently at the weekend as well. Yes, uh, oh, it's Alex. It is Alex, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Moto. I, I, I didn't. I'll be honest with you. I didn't see the support races because um, I was away this weekend. Um, uh, considering it, considering an investment, uh, but uh, it's right not in a house or anything. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think you know, uh, I mean, it's interesting because it's um, oh, I've, I've, uh, Joe, uh, is it Joe Miller, mm. the guy who came up from from GP3 this year uh, into into MotoGP. He's having a bit of a struggle doing that jump. So you kind Moto3. of Moto3, Moto3, sorry, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, very good point there. It would be well, a mate. big jump from uh, GP3. GP3 yeah. I mean, I'd GP. like to see it, though. And, of course, um, uh, Lewis Hamilton said that his heart belonged to motorcycling this year, this, this week, didn't he? Uh, he also said he wants to have a go at NASCAR. So. Yes, I think he's got no, he's got Adrian, no chance of a go at MotoGP. But he's never heard of Le Mans, obviously. Adrian Michael Reese says uh, all the Rossi versus Marquez battles uh, at the weekend. We finally got a Marquez versus Loren, Lorenzo, but it needs more cowbell. He said, "Yeah, very good." It, it was a decent, in fairness, at the front of the field. It was a um, a, a decent scrap. Um, yeah. I've managed to get the internet to work now. By the way, I can tell you're reading stuff off Twitter. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Have you seen the number of comments we've had about news in Spanish? Yeah, lots. See, people like news in Spanish, not I just. Think, well, I think we got it right this time. Um, I, th- I think people, it's the it's the story rather than the feature. Yeah. That, do uh, any of you do any of you guys remember the last time that I can remember a Formula One NASCAR swap took place? Yes. Uh, Tony Stewart and, and? Jensen Button. Was it not? It was Lewis, wasn't it? Was it Lewis or Jensen? It was uh, Lewis. Okay. Lewis. He's driven a NASCAR. Okay. And of course, the time prior to that, great portent that one had because, of course, it was Mon- Montoya. Juan Pablo Montoya. Yeah. Yes. Jeff Gordon. Yes. Well at done. the time when Gordon was, st- I think it was back then, that might have been 2002, I think. It was a very early indie race. And at the time when Gordon was actually being touted as a potential. Um, driver in F1 but he didn't want to do a year in 3000 did you see uh, the uh, MotoGP IndyCar swap last week no yeah no it, was a, it wasn't a swap it was a race off okay they had a, they had um, Marco um, Danny Pedrosa in the uh, Honda bike and they went round was it, I, couldn't, I couldn't remember who was in the IndyCar yeah um, yeah I mean it, it, in fairness an IndyCar you know unless you're going round the oval the IndyCar is going to win because in cornering motorcycles only have you know, two two fists worth of of grip on the road around a corner, whereas uh, a racing car has a uh, you know four hard help four hard back books. Sorry, four four pot. But it's got more. It's got four kind of well, it's got the contact patch, but it's four iPads. That's a bit more actually. It's all about what grip. are you talking about? Amount of rubber on the road when your bike's all going right. around the corner or a car. It just means you're turning earlier on a bike than you can in a car. And you can't go as fast. Uh, okay. But it's way lower on bikes than cars, especially downforce cars. Yes, that's true. Adrian Michael Reese also says, by the way, if the baking show was live, is that okay? No, no, it's not live. No, no. and which, of course it's not live. It's never live. That's why everybody knows who's already won, and they're not taking any more bets on it. Whereas nobody knows who's going to win Midweek Motorsport Christmas Quiz. No, it was Lewis at Watkins Glen, as uh, yeah. as no. Declan reminds me. No, I knew it was Watkins Glen. Yeah, I was. Uh, but so he was also going over. Yes. So anyway, sorry. And we, by the we, way, thank you to Declan and to CJ Wilson Racing, um, who really need to change their name to CJ Wilson Motorsport. Um, a great midweek motorsport collective uh, at Road America, uh, which was facilitated by them at their trailer. Uh, on the weekend, so that was fantastic. Uh, thank you very much. Excellent. Moving on. Uh, any more on bikes before we move on, Nick? Uh, no, I have no more on bikes. Uh, and also, hello to White uh, Right Turn Lover. Could say said numbering significance 
could be related to the number 500. Indy 500 has its 100th running next year. Mm, I don't think that's what he's talking about. Uh, well, it's something that's interesting to talk about because I want to go and I've been planning my holiday today. Yes. Unfortunately, you won't be able to go because we'll be too busy here doing Le Mans stuff, won't we? Uh, no, it's way before that. Mm. It's a whole week before test day. Mm. Uh, we mentioned... Uh, actually, no, we didn't mention this earlier, so I'm just going to go straight on to this. Uh, S and Senna's first ever cart. Yes! Yeah. United have just bought it. Well, no, they bought it at... Uh, auction in February, January even, uh, but they've just finished a six-month rebuild of it. How could it take you six build m- months to rebuild a cart? It's a bit of tube. They're obviously very busy because they are currently racing in seven or eight different championships, aren't they? Yes, that's true. In fairness, we've been invited to go up and and have a look around there and some of the classic cars... That uh, that Sack has got. Uh, how much is was his car? I don't want to start day of the century, but how much did his car go for? Sixty-five thousand. Is that right? Have I just made that up? Uh, the price isn't mentioned in the press release, so uh, very bad press release. I'll take it. Uh, take it from you. If you know any better, at a Radio Le Mans or <laughs> at likely you don't. It's a 1981 DAP cart. A DAP. Yeah. DAP. Hmm. Uh, and uh, they decided oh, to geese. having. F- I can hear them. Mm. After uh, doing a six-month rebuild, uh, they decided to do a little shakedown of it last week. Where was that held at? The car park. Uh, more importantly, who do we think was driving it? Uh, was it someone famous? Yes. Oh, was it? Was it Bruno? Uh, right, got it. Not that fa- famous. Not as famous as Bruno Senna. Uh, lower than a Bruno Senna. Uh, Slightly he, higher than a Zach Brown. Okay. Mark Blundell. Lower. This is all going to end badly. I'm going to be besieged by racing drivers who think I've offended <laughs> them, aren't they? Lower than Mark Blundell. I'll give you a Gordon Shedden. Gordon Shedden for lower than Mark Blundell. Where, hang on. Tell him where it was shaking down first, and then he's got half a chance of guessing it. Lid. Lid. Someone from Kent. Someone from no, Kent. No, it's not anyone from Kent. Oh, okay. Someone from Yorkshire. Yorkshire. Uh, ooh. Um, Lawrence Tomlinson. No. No, hang on. Who's just... <laughs> oh, God. I wish he was here because I could slap him. Who has just... Who have we said has just spent six months sorting the cart out? United Autosports. Yeah. Zach Brown. And... and don't know. <sighs> Which former Someone racing driver is uh, Zach Brown's partner at United Autosports, Nick? Is a question which might turn up again on the Christmas quiz. Yes, make sure it does. Possibly. No. Say Richard Dean. Richard Dean? Richard Dean is the correct answer. <laughs> I'm going to sound really dumb now. When did he do F1? He did I ever F1. say you did F1? He didn't say F1. He was a former F1 driver, you said. He didn't no, I said F1. former racing driver. Racing oh, I'm, driver. I'm on Skype in Holland. Who knows what you said? You you just hear things that you want to hear. What, five pounds? Thank you, John. Stop looking at uh, what you can see out of your bedroom window. I can't see anything. That's the whole point. I can't, I can't even see the planes now. It's dark. Ryan Priovolos says, uh, 
agrees it was uh, Tony and Lewis who switched cars in the Mobile One uh, F1 and NASCAR thing. And Tony was faster around Watkins Glen International in the F1 car than Lewis was. I'm not surprised he'd been there before. Mm. Wasn't it? I don't think, I think Lewis was... Wasn't Lewis waving rather than trying, though? James, James Ryder says apologies for absence. Although this only came in three minutes ago. Busy arguing on the internet if Usain Bolt can run 100 metres faster than a 1968 Chevy can do a standing quarter mile. Well, that's that's not, not a bad Nine, thing to be late for. 9.67 seconds, so you just need to find out what the answer is for the Chevy. I've seen door slammers do quarter miles in less than 9.7 seconds. Mm. And really quarter miles as well, not 1,000 feet. Uh, Rotation says Recars versus Bike MotoGP was doing times very similar to DP at Waterloo i.e. quarter a couple of years ago probably before the DP's got the carbon brakes and the extra downforce I would have thought so it's great when I've got the internet to work that's Mm. fabulous isn't it 65,000 as well Um, that's what we said yeah that's what you said I said 65000 I just plucked it out of my mind. $65,514, to be exact. Dollars, well, that says makes Says Ware Rabbit, yes. Uh, who was watching Richard Dean test this uh, cart from the 90s? Mark Blundell, Martin Brundle, and... Uh, Ed uh, Senna. He's not really dead. <laughs> Terry Fullerton. But it was a dab cart, not a Fullerton. But uh, Fullerton raced the DAP because he was Senna's teammate. He was. That's absolutely correct. And do you know what? Uh, in all the interviews that Senna did when he was being um, as difficult as he could be, when people said, who was your most difficult opponent, he always caught a Terry Fullerton. When did he first say that? On the Senna film. No. No, when he won his first he world championship. said it while he was alive. On his, on his, when he won his first world championship? No. 1978. When he won F3. When he won F3. No, much later. He oh, said really? it at the 1993 Australian Grand Prix in the press Did conference he? there. I, I remember that. I, I do remember that. Because didn't he beat him to the world championship? Uh, no. Um, he could have done, but Fullerton... Uh, had a uh, engine problem uh, mm. while he was leading, so finished third. Um, it, I, 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 it stuck in my mind that particularly that he'd mentioned because I, I remember Terry Fullerton from karting and remember Fullerton Kart as well, of course, later on after he'd stopped racing. Um, having begun my career talking about racing in karting and indeed racing in karting. Uh, why do we think uh, Terry Fullerton was uh, at this shakedown? Because everyone talks about how Edinson said he was the most he was the most difficult um, um, teammate he ever had. There's another reason. PR. No. He got a part share in the in the cart. He sold the cart. No. Only he can start it because it's got some ridiculous <laughs> way of doing it. Uh, he is now uh, the driver coach. To Bruno Senna. To Max Brown. Who mm. is Sax Brown's son? Yes. Right, okay. Uh, Max how, old is, how old is Max Brown? Max is 11. Mm-hmm. He's got a driver coach. And he's uh, competing this season in the Kent Kart Championship. 
At Lid? Mm. No. Uh, Buckmore Park. The three, there were three rounds at Buckmore Park and three at Bayford Meadows. Okay. Mm. Uh, and uh, with five out of the six rounds uh, already having taken place this year, mm. uh, Max is 20th overall in the championship. Andrew H says, I was thinking Jensen Button too, and he apologises because he's been bottling homebrew, so he's a bit behind when we were talking about the driver swap. He said, but wasn't that a V8 swap with Bathurst? Yes, it was, Andrew. Well remembered, eventually. Moving on. Uh, no more karting news. Okay. Uh, we're going to do... Well, we could do, we could do uh, young drivers related to other drivers' news. Because there was well, uh, yes, we could do some casting news in that case. Well, we could do some other American drivers who have racing driver fathers news as well. Oh, we, we could Snetter do, do yes. Yeah, but you need a different jingle for that. <laughs> I don't think we've got a jingle just for that. I'll remind everybody, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. It's a quarter to nine here in the UK. And we've managed to wumble on through 45 minutes because there wasn't really much going on uh, last weekend other than all the racing that we had on IMSA Radio, which we'll talk about in the second hour of tonight's programme. But up at Snetterton was British Touring Cars. And mm. supporting British Touring Cars, there was two wins at the weekend for a famous... American racing driver's name, was there not, Tim? There was. Colton Herter. Mm. Is he only 15? He's only 15. Right. Uh, which means that, uh, despite the fact that Jeremy Shaw wanted him in Team USA, uh, he can't he's too have young. him because he's too young. Because he can't go to the Formula Ford Festival or to the Walter Hayes Trophy? Correct, because you have to be 16 to do either of those. And what did he race at the weekend and win in? Uh, it was in MSA Formula, which has been racing in all season. Um, MSA Formula what? Sorry, MSA Formula, uh, certified by the FIA and powered by the all-new Ford EcoBoost. That's not a mouthful To give it its all, full it? title. So it's just called MSA Formula? No, it's called the MSA Formula Championship, certified by the FIA and powered by Ford EcoBoost. Right, Is that okay. what Richard John thingy has to say each time it comes on? Pretty much. But uh, at the, re- the risk of repeating myself, Formula what? Four? No, MSA Formula. Formula what? It's not a formula of anything. It's MSA Formula Championship. What's it based on? It's based around the FIA's Formula 4 rules. So why don't they call it Formula 4? Uh, because someone else has taken the name Formula 4 in the UK. What, and they hidden it up their jumper and won't give it back? It's, it's no. been hidden around the back of the city. He, he's, <laughs> ru- he's, he's running a different championship which doesn't actually conform to Formula 4 rules. Or so hang on. So hang on, let me get this right. In the big wide world of this new formula that is meant to be a global FIA formula and is about to be introduced into the USA, much to the chagrin of people who are running other stuff. Multiply um, in the USA, though. Yes, I don't. Don't we'll even get me started that. on that. Maybe we should. So, so hang on. So it's not allowed to call itself Formula 4 because of the championship the that's already called Formula 4 in the UK that's not running the Formula 4 regulations. Correct. And we wonder why people don't bother coming to motor racing. Hang on, though. When Formula 3 went all, all kind of, you know, dicta- dictatorial and stopped anyone else calling themselves Formula 3, so they, the FIA owned Formula 3. How come the FIA doesn't own Formula 4? Uh, Shall we just call it MSA Formula what? Yes. I think we should call it for FIA Formula, <clears throat> you know. <clears throat> between That's 3 and I'd, 5. Yeah. Formula between 3 and 5. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. 
That is just nonsense. Nick? Yes? Uh, you said we should have some special music for Colton Herter. Mm-hmm. How about this bit? Do you know what it is? I really like it and I vaguely recognise I can't remember what it is. Cagney and Lacey, isn't it? It is Cagney and Lacey, yeah. Oh, yes! An upbeat detective show. I couldn't remember which one it was. Why Why were we playing that? Because he, he's Nick middle wanted age. something American. Oh, okay. So anything would have done. It was the first first thing I could find, and it seemed seemed a little bit more suitable than uh, the other alternative. I think it's important to remember that, because from now on, whenever we mention Colton Hurtin, what's bound to be probably a quite long and, and, and interesting career, we must always play the Cagney and Lacey theme. As opposed to this theme. I want... <laughs> no, maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not. They, Can you tell I, that Sony have sent me some TV themes? Yes, obviously. Um, I once I used to ask which famous TV police uh, in an American uh, trivia question which famous police uh, officers had badge numbers seven three zero and seven six three. Was it Cagney and Lacey? It was Cagney and Lacey. Yes. Although it was three forty and something else in some of the episodes, which was a bit confusing. So I always had to. I can't never remember what the the fourth one is. Sounds like they have some bad continuity issues there, then. Yes, they did, uh, severely. Anyway, um, Colton Herter won a couple of races of MSA Formula Watt at the weekend, um, which it's going to be known for forever now. The third of the uh, races at the weekend was won by Daniel Tictum. Right, who, who isn't is, related uh, to any, any racing drivers. the championship leader still. How many people are turning up for these races? Well, quite a few, because they're supporting... Uh, British touring cars, so you'd have thought about 30,000 people were watching that. No, how many cars in? Oh, how many cars? Oh, 20 something. Oh, that's quite good then. Because it, it was a year ago when they were, the, somebody was winning, you know, Class A and how many Class B have won the support races, and then by the time you finished the podium, everyone else, well, that was everyone. <laughs> yes. Formula 3, if you finished, you, you were definitely on the podium, weren't you? Half the time. Not as bad as British Formula 3000, that was great. What were the three cars? Three cars. One broke down, and they showed the whole thing as live on screen sport for mm. an hour and ten minutes. They went round Brands Hatch Indy circuit. Do you, a, do you have a recording of that at all? I really wish I did, because mm. it's stuck in my mind for its dullness. The only Moving other thing on. stuck in my mind is the worst ever motorsport program I saw, which was trucks from Donington. Twenty-one uh, drivers started uh, round eighteen. Really? Yeah. Wow. Very good. Very good indeed. Uh, moving along. Uh, now, you talk about Colton Herter completely destroyed my train of thought and where we were going. Oh, yes. Um, Aha! Aha! Uh, Skelextric. Yes, the yes. biggest ever. Biggest Stable. ever. Designed by Martin Brundle. Mm, possibly. Uh, claimed to be designed by Martin Brundle. Thank you. Uh, featuring a figure of eight uh, configuration like Suzuka. Uh, with turn one from uh, Circuit of the Americas, Casino Square, Wall of Champions, the Ascari Chicane, uh, Cops, uh, and 
it's got a corner from corners. every single circuit on the Grand Prix, or a bit of the track from every single circuit on the Grand Prix. Yeah. Apparently, that was the idea, and they used it for the promos for Sky. Was it this year, or was it, it seems like a month ago, probably was this year. It was in a big, dark, deep, you know, it was in this sort of the, um, the spare bedroom of Sky, wasn't it? Anyway, it's going to be auctioned. For charity? For Just charity, yes. yes. For charity, absolutely. Whether, who on earth is going to have enough room to lay it out? Well, indeed. It comes on a, a, a board. <laughs> yes, which is the size of a football pitch. It's not that big. Uh, the auction takes place over the weekend of August 28th and 29th. And two days of auction, one thing. No, they're no. auctioning lots of things. Uh, it's being held uh, as part of the classic car auction at Carfest South at Loverstoke Park Farm. This is the thing where which is Geordie Schechter's place. Thirteen of his cars. It is. It's Geordie Schechter's place. Yeah, as well. He's selling Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Surely he's got enough money from his new Top Gear gig to not need to sell his cars. Maybe he's just uh, wanting some new cars instead. Maybe he wants to other people to enjoy the ones he currently has. What is the charity that it's going to? Please? It's for children in need. There you go. That's all very good. I hope someone. We hope someone wins it who can use it. It's 148 feet long. <coughs> yes, but it's not. Yeah, okay, fine. Uh, Cagney and Lacey, by the way, in some episodes was uh, seven, three forty, and seven ninety. Uh, that was the other so one. So someone on the collective just told us that. No, no, I've 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 gone on IMDb and and looked at it because it was annoying me because it was a question when I used to do. Uh, quizzes for a certain US beer company when we were launching that many years ago. It was all American trivia, and that was one of them. And I remember 7:30 and 7:63, but I also found out that in some of the credits it was 3:40, and I couldn't remember what the other one was, and it's 7:90. Okay, there you go. Do so that. The rota- rotation has just sent a link to I something from Screen Sports. Two CB racing. Yeah, but you get to the logo again, and beautiful low res four by three. It's not uh, not what I'm after. I want that uh, UK Formula 3000 race from 1997 with three cars in the rain or the damp. You're a strange. You're a strange person. Gonzalo Rodriguez. BBC impartially ruled that Chris Evans had to get rid of a number of his Ferraris, says Nick Holland. <laughs> what and give them the money because they aren't getting any from the government? I don't believe that. I don't think they could make him do anything. They've never been able to do that in the past. Couldn't make him turn and up on a fact, Friday, could they? And in fact, they couldn't offer him Top Gear until he got the gig to produce it himself and do what he wanted. They offered him the presenter gig and he turned it down. He accepted the gig of actually producing the whole show. Which is fair enough. Needed a producer because the last one left. And it's gone to Amazon Prime. Oh, don't get me started on Amazon Prime. Mm. But it'll be there the next day mm. if, you, uh, <laughs> if you pay before 5pm. That's very good. Possibly. Very good. Possibly. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. It's five minutes before nine o'clock uh, at Radio Le Mans or at Specutainment at RC Racing for Nick, who's in the Low Countries at the moment. Are you feeling low at the moment? No, I'm, I'm having a lovely time, actually. I, I never realised we, we were going to break the world's waffling record this evening. Well, this is a new story. We should perhaps talk about some of the weekend's racing. We will with Marshall at the uh, this in the second half of the show. What have you got to take us up to half-time, Tim? Well, there's uh, another angle to this uh, Scanextric story. Oh, really? Because no one knows... It's bleak or obtuse? No one knows how much it's going to sell for. Well, that's the point of an auction, isn't it? Uh, yes. Yeah. Not, there's not even any estimate, though. 
Oh, they were they were haunting for fifteen grand though, weren't they? As little as that. Go for more than that. There was there was one that went last year, um, that was an interesting one, which was a three laner, um, that was rather than being an actual ski electric, it was a routed circuit um, around a diorama, and that went for something bizarre, like fifty five thousand euros, I think it was, for a charity auction, which was a pretty neat. Uh, circuit because it was three lanes rather than four or two, um, and of course they were they changed in relationship to each other, so you couldn't just blast pack on the street. They were I, I would closer like together. To, I would like to say that I reckon that the one motorsport you couldn't couldn't commentate on, John, mm. is proper slot car racing. Oh, it's unreal! It's so quick. Point six so... a second to go round a lap at an average speed of eighty miles an hour. It's just unreal. The guys who build their own slot cars, they yep, are run just the European World Championships. unbelievable. I'd give it a go. Yeah, I think you probably last the first 20 seconds before you had no idea what was going on. And much as no one else does, really. But you know, when you have lap times, so, and stuff like that. They have like transponders that. on them, don't they? Yeah, yeah, they have transponders. <laughs> yeah. So don't look at the cars, just look at the timing screen. Have you heard of Nyman Marcus? Yes. Nyman Marcus, yes. yeah. Nyman Marcus. Department store yeah. in America. Yes, uh, famous for designer clothes, designer shoes, and also special edition cars. Interestingly, and uh, special edition Skelectric sets. <laughs> really? <laughs> really? They will make any circuit you want. Well, uh, I'll make any circuit you want as well, including uh, yeah. the Nurburgring Nordschleifer. Oh, really? Yes. How big is that? Well. It's 1 to 32 yeah. scale, so... No, but it's not the way it is. Yes, it don't. is. You are kidding me. Yes. That, that is a correct... That would be half a mile. If you've got the space, they'll build it for you. No way. But how much do you think it'll cost? A lot. I guess. So you're looking at, what, 700 yards of track. So I'm thinking you're going to have to pay $350,000. That's pretty close. Three hundred thousand uh, dollars is the price. I think three hundred thousand dollars. Oh wow, that's amazing! Plus, sorry, there's a bit of a delay there. <laughs> plus installation. Oh, plus installation. Uh-huh. Um, but because they're nice people, uh, they will uh, throw you a uh, launch party when it's ready. Right. And they'll provide some proper racing drivers uh, for when you have your launch party. Uh, and examples of the sort of calibre of people uh, that they will provide? Gordon mm-hmm. Shedd. Vic Elford. Oh. Oh, oh, okay. Yep. And David Hobbs. Is that an example or just the drivers they'll supply? I'm not sure. I would also think that given that slot car racing is pretty much about reactions and... Uh, no, no, but this is scale extra, though. This is built on... This is... Uh, oh, yeah. It's a bit right. slow. Yeah. It's a bit slow. And bear um, in mind that if you've just paid three hundred thousand dollars plus an installation fee for your track, you want some high-profile names who you have a chance of beating. Well, and Vic Elford, of course, is, was demon no, not free. I don't think he's ever raced at the Nordschleife though. Vic Elford has. Ah, good point. And I, I, but I don't think David Hobbs has. David Hobbs under. In right. Wisconsin. I was, I was speaking to David Hobbs on Saturday night, actually. Did you go to his dealership? I didn't know, but he did mention it several times. Got a dealership? His son runs it now, yes. He was in fine form. He was in fine form. Hi, uh, Hobbs. Or the I other son? I think... Uh, no, I think it was... 
Ah, oh, that's a good question. I think it's the other Chris. son. Chris. Chris. Yes. Um, the he was in fine form and happy to talk. I, Vic Elford and uh, David Orbs against you on a scale extra track. I that I'll take that. That's worth the three hundred and fifty grand actually. I just haven't got anywhere that's big enough to put down the circuit at the moment. You know that meadow across the road? Well, yes. Absolutely. Scale Electric, says Dave Alcock, are going to offer ultimate 2015 circuit, which is the, the Martin Haven... The Martin Haven. <laughs> the Martin Bundle <laughs> circuit. Martin, Martin Haven is the one that goes round and round and doesn't actually get anywhere, but just gets it, louder. You go round and round over the creaking circle before it explodes. And, and it gets louder. <laughs> yes. The um, the ultimate 2015 circuit is a thousand pounds in their track work- workshop on the web- website. So there you go. But it hasn't been on telly. That's not the one with the uh, with the diorama behind it. Right. Uh, it's nine o'clock. Midweek motorsport. There's still another hour of this nonsense. <laughs> can't, yes, argue. Uh, can't argue with any uh, of that. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. It's Series 10, Episode 31. Just starting to get a bit, uh, bit dark there. Might have to put the lights on out here in a moment. I clearly have. Uh, there's no wine left in the glass here, so that's something that will have to be addressed immediately. Uh, at Radio Le Mans, at Specutainment, at RC Racing, and at Tim underscore Twice Gray. And in the second half of tonight's show, more of this nonsense with Nick in Holland. Tim up in London and we should have Marshall Pruitt from Racer.com in this next hour as well all still to come on Midweek Motorsport here at RadioLamont.com Midweek Motorsport on RadioLamont.com What's that then? It's a quiz. Must be. It is a quiz. Which yeah. is it? It's the Price is Right. That's right. the American version, is it? It's, it's the UK right. version as well. Oh, right, okay. Uh, and probably other countries that have the Price is Right as a quiz show format. Uh, and this week uh, contestant is John. Oh, is it? Yes. Did it properly? Oh, I did. That's not how you do it, is it? Uh, John Heintoff, come on down. Uh, I have, although no, I don't think anybody heard anything we said there, but never mind, go on, carry on. Uh, so, uh, you've heard two other people play this game. Yes. So you know the rules. And you've done all the revision. Sort of. I've done, I've done a lot of revision. Yeah. Uh, you've done a lot of revision. Let's yes. see if that helps you. Uh, the most important rule, of course, is that it's against the clock. You have one minute and no more than one minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it's as many correct answers as you can get in that uh, one minute. So, John Heintoff, your time starts when I ask the first question. Uh-huh. I was eighth in the 2006 Formula 4000 by Holden Series driving a Reynard 96D. Uh, Sean Price. Incorrect. Okay. I'm a British racing driver born 2nd of April 1968. 
Jonathan Price. Incorrect. Okay. <laughs> I'm a 28-year-old Australian. I race in the Fujitsu series with occasional V8 supercar races. Oh, Brendan Price. Incorrect. Okay. I'm a former director shit. of racing at the Brabham F1 team. David Price. Correct. Yes. I'm a New Zealand-based female drag racer. <sighs> Not a clue. The only female Price I know is Melinda Price, but she's Aussie. Don't, don't, don't know. Pass. Uh, Beth, known as a rally driver, my motorsport career began as a circuit racer in a Mini Cooper. Hugh Price. Incorrect. My AUH Motorsport Ferrari 458 Italia was a multiple race winner in 2011 and 2012. Zach Price. And your time is up, and you scored one. Get in. Isn't everyone scored one now? Yeah. No, I seem to remember that uh, Graham Goodman scored none. Right, so what were the answers then? Uh, so, uh, Alan Price was eighth in the 2006 Formula 4000 by Holden Series. Was he? Okay. Uh, Alan Price oh, well, of the Animals. Excellent. The same time. Yeah, uh, the driver. I've never even found an Alan Price. Oh yes, I have. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> the driver who uh, was born on the second of April, nineteen sixty-eight, was Hugh Price. Oh, so I got him later. Yeah. Twenty-eight-year-old uh, Australian racing the Fujitsu series. Shane Price. Shane. Yeah. Shane. 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 Uh, correctly identified David Price as the former director of racing. Was David Price. Anyone I got one. right as well. Yes, correct. David Price is the only one anybody's going to get right in this. Uh, New Zealand-based female drag racer is Stacey Price. Ah, okay. Do you uh, not to do a damn camish on this and just say Dave Price everything? Better yeah. known as a rally driver, my motorbook career began as a circuit racer in a Mini Cooper. That's John Price. Ah, really? John Price, who... Um, he, he ran... God, I, I seem to remember him running a Opel... Manta or something bizarre that Sheikh Amita used to run um, in the Himalayan rallies or something. I've actually seen John Price race. I should have got that one. Or rally, should I say. Rally. Oh, yeah. He did win the National Championship 12, National Gravel Championship 12 times. Sorry, National Tarmac Championship 12 Sh- times. I was going to say, no, Tarmac, gravel, absolutely. Yeah. Tarmac, because uh, he was on the, the stages at Otterburn. The uh, AUH motorsport driver was Leon Price. Leon Price, of course it was. So that, uh, that well. puts you second uh, in the table. Eight to whom? equal first? Sorry, equal first in the table with Nick Damon. No, I don't want to claim a victory <laughs> I haven't got. Well, there you go. Alphabetically, you'd be first, though, Nick. I've won then. Hurrah. Can I point to that Gillingham top of Division 1? Mm. And uh, that's meaningless at some of you. If you're still, there, the if you're still there in May, then uh, good luck. Thank you. <laughs> uh, we need to move on to American news. Right. Uh, having exhausted everything that's happened in Europe. Okay. So does that mean I need to get Marshall up here? Uh, so you need to get Marshall Pruitt, yes. Uh, might have given me some... Uh but we can do a couple of stories before Marshall arrives. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, although he may want some... Uh, input into this as well uh, because Michael Andretti yes is the subject of a lawsuit ah yes, yes. I've, I've already bri- uh, briefed him on this so hopefully we'll get him in just a second to talk about this sounds like an acrimonious divorce to me well do you know what it's funny you should say that because 
it's uh, it's very interesting. Um, it's very interesting that you say, should say that because it is in in point of fact Andretti versus Andretti. So it, is it Dustin is, Hoffman playing either the part? Both, <laughs> both I think. Uh, it, very very odd. Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, it's like isn't it? It's always all over again. <laughs> you see, that someone, some, they voted that some guild of actors voted Tootsie the best film ever. Uh, really? Yes. Mm. Mm. Someone, okay. Someone quipped, was it the guild of actors who appeared in Tootsie? Yes. <laughs> and no other films. And yeah. no other films at all. Movies at all. Films, what you put in the camera, a movie uh, is what you watch. Good evening to Racer.com's Marshall Pruitt. Hello, MP. Good evening, Hindy. How the heck are you tonight? Wonderful. Getting ready for a uh, early morning departure to Sonoma Raceway for the uh, oh. IndyCar's uh, first Young Guns test in I can't even think how long. Uh, and then get come home and get up super crack on Friday morning and head to Mazda Raceway Laguna Seca for three days More of vintage motorsports... Uh, illicit pornography. Yeah. So. <laughs> auto, auto pornography. Absolutely. Well, um, we're talking about Andretti versus Andretti here. This weird, uh, this weird lawsuit that's come about over the events down at New Orleans Motorsport Park. What, what can you tell us? But this sounds, it almost sounds like somebody's trying to play a joke on us, or it's a pointless press release of the week. But this is real. It is real. Had heard, uh, I'm trying to think, probably about two weeks ago, maybe a little bit over two weeks ago, that Andretti Sports Marketing, the uh, the promotions side of the uh, Andretti Empire, uh, had basically shut down. And uh, as I as it turns out, they have not shut down, but they have uh, massively trimmed their staff. They essentially have a skeleton crew in place to look after their remaining clients. But uh, they have gone from a firm that uh, essentially created and promoted the Baltimore Street Race, yep. uh, the New Orleans event that took on and re- revived the Milwaukee Mile event uh, and also uh, created and promoted the Miami Formula E event this year. Um, all of those things, if you look at the 2015, uh, I'm sorry, it, going back to Baltimore, uh, obviously that's been off the calendar, but if you look at this year with those three major events, um, with all of them having been run, uh, there is very strong likelihood none of those would return next year, as we've had confirmed by the FIA uh, Formula E folks. Miami is off, so Long Beach is the only event uh, in North America. Milwaukee has been a question mark before it was run and definitely after. Uh, and New Orleans was a flat-out disaster. Some uh, items not in ASM's fault, and some items I wasn't there. We were in Silverstone mm. when I got when I got back from Silverstone. <laughs> Heidi, uh, my next event after that was Long Beach for IndyCar and IMSA, and uh, I'll tell you, as soon as you know, everyone basically said, "A, we watched uh, in the Downport Nola, we watched." Uh, Silverstone, and that was the best race just ever on the planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then followed by, and I hate you, 
because you weren't <laughs> at New Orleans and we were, and it was the most miserable experience we've ever had. Uh, and I won't, I won't delve into this much longer, Heidi. But uh, beyond the track dispute tying back to ASM, uh, where they file, have filed a lawsuit against uh, the track owner, et cetera, et cetera, saying that they're owed, uh, I believe, it's eight hundred thousand dollars of what they're supposed to be paid. Uh, you know, there's also pretty big dis satisfaction on uh, the owner's side and other people's side. Uh, one example, which was a classic one of now granted, you can't blame anybody for the rain, but uh, the way they had parking set up, most people had to park uh, I think it was more than a mile away from the circuit and park out in a field. And after all the heavy rains, it basically turned into a giant mud bog. Well, we aren't, and so the problem is, for example, senior executives like CEO level for Verizon and others, the series sponsor, uh, were denied credentials, took a big fight to get them credentials. And when they did, they weren't given preferred parking, which, again, you would expect for a figurehead like that. So they're sent out to uh, in this parking lot a mile away where they have to wait on a bus to come and get them. Well, they pull up. You know, the tires genuinely sink into the mud. They step out. They're up to their ankles in mud. Uh, and as I heard from some folks, be it photographers, media types, or even, you know, some of the figureheads, uh, we aren't talking about standing around in the rain for a couple minutes. Some of them were waiting half hour, 45 minutes for a shuttle bus to show up mm-hmm. in, you know, just these horrible conditions. So you take that, you take the, the race itself was horrible, was cut short because of rain, uh, minimal spectators, et cetera, et cetera. It's just a calamity for everybody where no one's expectations were met. Getting back to the question about what's going on here, with all that dis- dissatisfaction in mind, uh, Andretti has not been fully paid, uh, according to them, uh, and that has resulted in its $800,000, just say, you know, close to a million dollars less revenue than they were expecting. Well, that, uh, in and of itself, I'm told, has is what has tipped the financials for ASM completely upside down and led to uh, the big uh, staff reductions, including their CEO, the former, uh, I should say, president of ASM, who's now suing Andretti. What is the the relationship then between ASM, Andretti Sports Marketing, and and the race team? And and in fact, how does that whole group group work are, are they aren't separate entities or how does they that work are. actually they from from everything that i understand they are separate entities uh ownership there was separate ownership stakes of asm uh between the two folks that are suing michael andretti john lopes and stark taylor uh just coincidentally i used to work for uh lopes and taylor in the indie racing league john was my team manager uh and stark was one of the co-owners of one of the teams that i worked for so i've known those guys for a long time um they were co-owners of this business. Uh, Lopes, in particular, prior to being moved over to ASM this year in a full-time capacity, uh, was working directly with Andretti Auto Sport as their, uh, call it, number one sponsor, hunter, finder, B2B guru. And if you look at most of the brands on the cars uh, that they race, uh, be it a Marco Andretti's car, Ryan Hunter Ray's car, I'm not saying Lopes was 100% responsible for all of them, but I'm definitely saying that uh, it was with his uh, steerage uh, that a lot of those relationships were developed and grown into title sponsorship type deals. So with Lopes' acumen on the business side and the sponsorship side, 
it was not a surprise because he was already helping on with ASM. It wasn't a surprise to see him shifted over full time mm. uh, into that leadership role this year. Um, I what I can't tell you is how and why everything has completely devolved into uh, a lawsuit and whatnot. Uh, I mean, again, we can assume, we can draw some conclusions, but I, you know, I haven't uh, called John a couple times over the past few weeks and haven't heard back, not a surprise. Um, so I can't tell you the motivation behind, you know, the personal motivation behind it, but having uh, seen some of what's written in the lawsuit, uh, there are definitely some claims in there which are, uh, which make for some pretty bombastic headlines. Uh, as Dead Squirrel has just said, imagine having gone to NOLA and paid your own way to go and be a corner worker or a marshal. Oh dear. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I should also mention uh, that it is founder of Racer Magazine's Paul Fanner's birthday uh, today, back in charge uh, of that uh, August publication as well again now as well. So happy birthday uh, to Paul. Now, whilst there wasn't that much racing in uh, Europe at the weekend, and surprisingly, there wasn't an IndyCar race last weekend, was there? Oh, did no. I, I didn't miss well, it, did I? <laughs> no, it's like someone <laughs> forgot there was a, uh, a weekend to fill in this five-month burn of uh, 16 events uh, or 16 races. So, yeah, no IndyCar, but we had NASCAR, we had NHRA, we had MotoGP at Indianapolis, and uh, we had this lovely little race in Road America as well. Which we'll get um, to in a mean. I want to c- talk very quickly about, uh, about Watkins Glen for a couple of reasons. Um, we were there earlier on with the sports cars, and I'd never been there before, but I was thoroughly impressed. It was definitely a case of a place that did not disappoint uh, when you are very excited about going there. Much of that is to do with the $8 million plus million that's being and has been invested in that place over the last few years because NASCAR goes there. And I know that some people don't like us talking about NASCAR. They see it as an evil empire, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about... Um, the other part of, of NASCAR with Master Raceway Laguna Seca in a minute. But there's no doubt that they have done a great job there. And the coolest thing I have ever seen is that the winner of the race uh, in the the cup race on Sunday got to drive the digger that started to break up the track before uh, or, or in preparation for a complete resurfacing. That is, that is the coolest thing ever for a race winner, surely. I, you know, I a I love that yes, but I, I'm just kind of thinking, if it's an IndyCar race, the winner gets to jump out and climb in one of Robbie Gordon's stadium super trucks and do you know 30 foot leaps in the air holding the checkered flag. Uh, if it's NASCAR, it's monster trucks crushing whatever they can. I mean, look, if the race is over, put on you know. If people are still there, put on a show. Who wants to hear mm. you yap about thanking your sponsors? I mean, destroy cars, create smoke, tear up some pavement. I mean, come on. This is America, after all. Yeah, and it was a double win, of course, at the weekend, with people running out of fuel on the last lap in the the cup race on Sunday. So, a fabulous double win at Watkins Glen International. 
Yeah, it seemed like uh, there was someone at Watkins Glen who uh, maybe caught the live stream of the uh, Continental Tire Series Indeed. race and, and was wanted to make sure that Spencer Pompelli didn't go home feeling alone after uh, running out of fuel in the ST class. So yeah, yeah it was definitely, uh, if we're talking big, iconic road courses and fuel management, uh, you know, it was a weekend where a couple drops here and there could have uh, fundamentally changed the outcomes. Uh, fourth place finish. Uh, for who was it? Who ran out of fuel? It's just gone out of my head. Anyway, finished for uh, third. Sorry, cruised across the line. Third holds the championship lead, but of course we're still uh, heading towards the the playoffs in 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 terms of that. Let's let's move over uh, to Road America and to Continental Tires and the Tudor United Sports Car Championship next year. They'll be called the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car championship so a big change and a subtle change in that IMSA is on the logo and within the championship name Tudor and Rolex confirmed as 10-year partners to the series quite a remarkable uh, a remarkable uh, commitment by any commercial partner and WeatherTech coming on board as the new title sponsor to the series big announcement for scott atherton on saturday night huge and like you i'm still listening for the uh, knock on the door for our uh, the celebratory uh tutor slash rolex watches that I, i'm assured will be arriving <laughs> um yeah i mean good good to hear that they've held on to their timekeeping partners and i think you know the rolex 24 daytona just has uh, it rolls off the tongue in a way that makes me want to see it continue that way forever uh weather tech that i'm i hate to say should be could be a, a transformational thing for the series it does have that potential though and i say that well if you are listening outside of the u.s you probably might have seen the WeatherTech logo uh, if watching something uh, mm. road racing related here. But you probably don't have a feel for their massive, their expansive uh, presence in magazines, for example. And I'm not just talking automotive magazines. No, no, no. Although I, I am essentially talking about every automotive magazine. If there is a magazine that's dedicated to something with four wheels, if you can put a door on it uh, and it has the ability to, to place floor mats, uh, WeatherTech probably has between three and five pages of advertising in that magazine. Well, where that's important from a media standpoint is... Most magazines, as folks know, the print industry has been hit hard in recent years with the rise of digital. That means that uh, people are running on lean staffs, but on top of that, those pages of advertising aren't necessarily cheap. I mean, that's why the magazines still survive is the ability mm. to sell ads. WeatherTech, and this is no joke, I've, there's no other company that I've seen in reading, you could read an entertainment lifestyle magazine, something about golf, I don't care what it is. I've yet to come across a an advertiser in the past five years that spends as much across almost every type of magazine format to advertise their product as WeatherTech. Mm. So when I see that, go any newsstand, you'll probably find a WeatherTech ad, if not multiple pages. They spend a fortune to market what they sell, and as a result, 
make a lot of money because of the awareness that they bring for their product. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping, or I should be speaking with David McNeil this weekend, the owner of WeatherTech, uh, who will be at Monterey. Look forward to catching up with him and speaking about what plans they could or might enable uh, through their title support of the uh, former Tudor Championship because they do have the marketing power, unlike any other sponsor I can think of, to put North American sports car racing in front of not only automotive fans, but housewives, kids. That, to me, potential-wise, is massive. I was giddy when I heard the news, knowing their reach and how much they're willing to spend to market. Uh, They have over 100 print publications a month. Uh, they spend, uh, I think, up to $30 million a year in the U.S. alone. Recently launched in Europe, they pay uh, good wages, $20 an hour for semi-skilled. Uh, they are not a cheap product. They Ooh, so you and I could make 20 bucks an hour then, Heidi. Yeah, I know. Like... That'd be three times what I'm making now. Ten times what I'm making now. Uh, $100 a pair uh, of, of floor mats. We are talking premium products, so it, it fits in. Uh, per, uh, perfectly. Uh, interestingly, he started. Um, I talked to David on Saturday night. He started making his own stuff when he stopped importing from England uh, just five years ago. Twenty other overseas mar- markets. This is a big company. They, I mean, they do Super Bowl ads. So we are talking big company, and this man lives, breathes, and. You know, eats, drinks, cars. He's got a, a an exact replica of the Goldfinger DB5, uh, the Aston Martin. He loves cars. And what I said, as those of you who listened to our State of the Series uh, piece on Saturday, and well done to Tim for getting that turned around and, and edited for us. I said to Scott Atherton, I remember quite a while ago when people were pointing a finger and saying, GTC, what? that's a sop, isn't it? That's the end of the American Le Mans series. That's terrible because that's just grid fillers. And GTC has gone on, went on to be not just a great Porsche series, but to take various good drivers on. And guess who started in GTC? WeatherTech. So not just for, for drivers, but that's a homegrown sponsor who's come through the minor classes, Marshall, to become title sponsor of the IMSA Championship. Yeah, and so that that to me is also a fantastic, you know, from a from a little seed grows a big tree. Yeah. Uh, uh, anyone who dismissed the announcement as "oh great, we got a floor mat sponsor," you know, technically, yeah, and I'm not saying that's all they do, but that's primarily, you know, that's their core business. But yeah, whether tech doesn't make something big and sexy and and that has a lot of buzz to it, but they're <laughs> Everything IMSA lacks right now, everything it needs to become popular, uh, financially uh, successful, uh, all the things that IMSA needs to become more than it is comes back to awareness. Mm. And if WeatherTech can help secure more TV time on Fox Sports 1, for example, than Fox Sports 2. If WeatherTech can use its sponsorship of the series to put cars, tune-in information, whatever it is, with its, as we discussed, its blanketing of uh, print 
to get folks to know about IMSA, care about IMSA, have a vague idea how to watch it, go watch the stream here, tune in this day, if they mobilize in any way, shape, or form to point their product in their sponsorship of the series, connect those two, and push that out in front of people, <laughs> this could be transformational. Yeah, That's the thing IMSA needs. That's the thing they haven't had the Activation. money. Activation. Activation. Yeah. That is the... That is the key word here. Moni Elysium. Hello, Moni has just tweeted. My dad had WeatherTech mats in his car because he mountain bikes in the advertising bike magazines too. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is it is amazing thing. The result of the weekend really closed things up in the Tudor, as it still is now, United Sports Car Championship, with Michael Valiente and Richard Westbrook now ahead of Joao Barbosa and Christian Fittipaldi uh, by a point, and then a further point back in joint third I suppose, Jane Cameron and Eric Curran uh, and then another what 12, 14 points further back Joey Hand and Scott Pruitt uh, and even going down to 6th place Oz Negri Jr and John Pugh uh, they are only 25 26 points out of the 20, 27 points out of the championship lead, it's really all to play for as we go to the finale uh, and through the last couple of rounds uh, in the overall championship and most of the other championships are exactly the same and another really really entertaining race these 12 40 minute races just good enough just enough tactics uh, and i thought in gt particularly with Reese doing the no fuel uh, no tires fuel only we had two tires we had timed stops it, it was really interesting to see the different tactics play out marshall yeah, I loved it uh, across all the classes. There, there, as I wrote in my report, there was only one class where the winner, uh, the winning mark, uh, even the winning entrant seemed to be clear uh, before the start, and that was Porsche North American GTLM. Mm. Dot dot dot. We just didn't know it wasn't going to be the car in the pole, but the one starting at the, uh, the uh, absolutely last in the field. So even that was, you know, Porsche dominated GTLM all weekend, but uh, the car that won, you know, had the longest uh, road to travel. And up front, uh, I thought we saw a couple of, of really brilliant things. It was, A, great to see the uh, 4DP genuinely competitive. They were yeah. obviously uh, hampered by uh, a bit of motor slash uh, power issues that rectified during a pit stop, but took them out of uh, contention. After that, we saw the uh, Corvette DPs running up front. Uh, Wayne Taylor Racing, snake bitten again at the track. But mm. we saw the Corvette DPs running up front. And in what I thought was just a fantastic... I don't, it wasn't a passing of the baton. Don't get me... Don't get me wrong, and nothing that grandiose, but what was fantastic to see uh, within the Action Express team, which held a great press conference to say everything's staying the same next year in terms of <laughs> that was cars funny. and drivers, uh, we saw the the B car, the number 31, the wheeling engineering car, which has kind of played a second fiddle to the, uh, the championship winning number five. Uh, we saw the 31 team since there are no pro-am minimum drive time restrictions in uh, the top prototype category, we saw the number 31 team pit Eric Curran, uh, I think 29 minutes into the race. And Eric, who has come far, uh, he still, he, you know, he would not say that he has the type of experience or pace to match with, you know, the, the true top tier pros. We saw the 31 team uh, pull Eric fairly soon and let Dane Cameron go on an attack throughout the entire race. They also uh, mixed things up a little bit in pit 
strategy we saw uh, Fittipaldi in the in one Action Express car and Dane Cameron in the other banging wheels and going after yeah. it. I just I th- I liked that because again for me for the first time although the 31 car hat did win one race this year mm. it was really one of the first on track experiences where you saw the uh, like I said kind of the B team say hey 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 uh, it, it is don't, don't get it don't get it twisted homie we yeah, can yeah. definitely play ball here and uh, again with some smart pit strategy to get uh, to pit the 31 early uh, in uh, fuel window get uh, Cameron back out on clear track. That helped him to leapfrog and uh, come home with a win. But nice to see them rise, for sure. I also thought the battle between the Ferrari, which was really had no right to be battling with those two Porsches. Uh, BMW, who didn't take the new Michelin tyre, the single stint tyre at the weekend, where all the other Michelins did. Corvette weren't in that race at all. And Dave Beatty seems with great pit stops from Racy, kept them in there. You could maybe see it two left side tyres when they put 15 seconds of fuel in for their last stop might have made all the difference. But a great fight from Pierre Caffer in particular at the end against York Bergmeister. Yes, there was a bit of contact. That potentially could have been people pointing fingers. It wasn't. They got out of the cars at the end. Pierre immediately said on the radio, sorry, I couldn't hold him off. He was just so much quicker. Uh, Jorg and he hugged I spoke to Jorg afterwards in the airport on Monday and he was saying I have no idea how Pierre kept ahead of him he had massive respect I just thought that was exactly what that sport what our sport what endurance racing is all about you have the cars that can take a hit and keep going so that's one thing that's unique to sports car racing uh you have high speed rolling road course like uh, road america and you have just you know some of the greats of their generation going after it in those kinds of cars uh you know in nascar it's bent fenders and cut tires mm. can't can't do it in indy car because you know the obvious issues of cars taking flight it was honestly kind of kind of the perfect storm of what makes sports car racing so fabulous it wasn't this you know 24-hour run save the car protect it was i'm going to do everything i can to stop you and if i I am unsuccessful okay but there's nothing stopping me from going after you and i loved it Uh, on both sides i thought they both gave each other a lot of respect great a little bit of contact which is kind of you know that just adds an extra level of fun Uh, and uh you know the, the reality is both teams uh, came away with great results. The Reese car was never going to win. No. Uh, but good Lord, fighting for a podium. Oh, outstanding. That, that was really impressive. And then you temper that, Hindy, in PC. Yeah. Where, you, where uh, you know, folks, uh, send me an email if you need Connor Daly's address to send him some uh, flowers of condolences for, you know, coming within half a lap of winning his first race and that chance being spun away. I mean, there after the race, there was so many people like, oh, my God, what happened? You almost had it, buddy. And, you know, and you see Bruno Junquera coming like a freight train behind him. And, you know, there's another one where you go, wow, the little team, Performance Tech Racing, was almost able to do it after earning the pole. And, yeah. Oh, 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 he's spinning in turn five. And, you know, again, it's just seemed like... Last lap. No matter w- exactly. But, again, another last lap thing. We had Connor spinning, losing the lead and the win in turn five. We had uh, Jorg and Kaffer going nuts, you know, uh, turn 18 or whatever it was. You know, what are you <laughs> from the end? I mean, again, it's just, wow. 
Just to pick up, by the way, uh, John Bennett and Colin Brown lead by five points from Mike Gouache and Tom Kimber-Smith. Chris Cumming and Bruno Juncker in the 11 car are another six points further back in uh, GTLM. It's still the three car, believe it or not. They got their old car back the last weekend. They've got a four-point lead over Bill Oberlin and Dirk Werner for IHG Rewards Club BMW. Patrick Peele on his own is one point further back in third position in GTD by the way Christina Nielsen now leads by two points on her own from Christopher Harzer and Dion von Molke for the Audi 48 Paul Miller Racing Team then another seven points further back is Bill Sweedler and Lee Keane Cooper McNeil uh, and Lee uh, sorry Cooper McNeil and Lee Keane Bill Sweedler on his own there in fourth place they're only ten points off the lead so again all of the championships very, very finely poised as we move into the uh, final part of the season. Uh, mentioned IndyCar there. IndyCar going back to Road America was announced partway through a, a sports car free practice session, which was rather bizarre. But I think good news. Good news for everybody. Good news for road racing. Uh, and IndyCar um, potentially talking about, at some stage in the future, going back to Mazda Raceway Laguna Seca as well, although not next year we hear... And that brings us to um, ISC, uh, International Sports Car Group, uh, uh, Corporation rather, um, bidding to take over the running of Mazda Raceway Laguna Seca from Scramp, which is... It's been a funny one, this, because there's been talks going on for something near a year um, behind closed doors, apparently at the behest of the local county, that Scramp haven't been a part of, and now we're in a 90-day due diligence period that probably will see ISC, ISC take over the running of that organisation, or that circuit, rather, um, that has been run by the not-for-profit organisation Scramp, who have put a lot of money in and put a lot of money back into the local community. Yeah, that's just what I was finishing up. I'm not quite... I'll hopefully have that up here shortly, Hindy. But, yeah, it's... <laughs> As one of my two local tracks, uh, it's been fascinating to follow, but probably the wrong kind of fascinating from a, a health and safety standpoint. Uh, interesting. A couple of, well, it's hey, many, here's many, my, here's many Here's my take on it. I, I want to put this out there, right? Scramp's done a great job over the years, and they have certainly invested a lot of money. Uh, they have put a lot of money back into the local community. It's all run by volunteers um, clearly we've seen over the last few years that Master Raceway Laguna Seca has not been able to compete for say MotoGP uh, or other major events with people who've been prepared to put large amount of money on the table it's been frustrating for them they lost MotoGP to Quarter uh, and to Indianapolis and that I know was a massive frustration for Jill Campbell and the rest of the team there uh, on the other side of that, you've got ISC, who are not short of a dollar or a dime, who are clearly interested in increasing their portfolio. Can't blame them for that. The bit I don't like is it going on behind closed doors. But I hear absolutely that that was at the behest of the county and not at ISC. And I, I kind of don't understand that, that if the county are wanting to move on from the not-for-profit organisation, why wouldn't they do it in the open? There are a couple big ticket questions here, Heindy. Um, 
and I don't want to run. I mean, we could, we genuinely could talk about this for an hour straight to detail all the the silliness. Mm. So, Laguna Seca, it's Mazda Raceway Laguna Seca, but for the sake of our friends at Mazda, we won't. Yeah. I won't use their name because they're not. They're no part of this. They, there's no reason to drag them into the madness. Uh, Laguna Seca has been a beloved track since it was conceived in the late 1950s internationally known the corkscrew one of the most iconic corners blah 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 well so its primary product is one thing road racing that's what it sells in north america at least as we know because the tv ratings tell us the uh the the tvs when they pan to the the grandstands they tell us most forms of road racing at far too many events is not a very popular product right now. Now I'm not talking about the 12 hours of Sebring again. Uh, you know those fa- those folks would show up whether there are race cars or not. Mm-hmm. Indy 500 always going to put up big numbers. So mm-hmm. Long Beach. So we know that there are some truly entrenched road racing events. Again, Indy 500 not an oval or not a road race, but there are some events that IndyCar goes to, IMSA and otherwise, where we know long established big crowds. That's fine, but there are far too many road racing events sports cars, open wheel or otherwise, that genuinely suffer to attract a proper crowd. And you could say, well, it's IndyCar's fault for this, it's IMSA's fault for that. Here's the truth of the matter. Road racing as a product in North America is nowhere near as popular as it once was. So, first point, Laguna Seca has one product to sell, road Mm. racing. Well, that product they have to sell isn't nearly as popular as it once was. So, just let's think about this very simple abstract. Monterey County Board of Supervisors, who I don't know if anyone's ever accused them of being the most forward-thinking or self-aware people on the planet, were accustomed, <laughs> I'm just being honest, uh, have been, were accustomed for up till probably 10 plus years ago of that track being a, a good revenue generator. It's owned by the state. It, you know, it's a ca- it's county property. So yeah. no one, uh, th- there's no external company that owns the track. They hire a promoter to run it for them and make, uh, make money. It's part of their county budget each year. Well, again, what they have to sell, the, the hook they have to generate revenue was popular up till again, whatever, pick the date 10 years ago. But even you and I know, Heidi, the last couple of years of the American Le Mans series, which we all hold and love and you know hold up as this magical golden series, ALMS wasn't exactly uh, pushing many people through the turnstiles for its events. A beloved event, just not a lot of people showed up. The final years of IndyCar going there under the Champ Car brand, uh, a little thin on crowds. Mm. MotoGP... Now, granted, MotoGP is a shining example. Lots of people showed up for that. But the underlying note here is the track has one thing to offer, and that's road racing. And barring MotoGP, uh, that product just isn't something most people have wanted to buy yep. recent years. Let me add one other quick thing to this. Uh, I live in the Bay Area. It's about an hour drive, hour 10 north to get to Sonoma Raceway. It's about an hour 30, maybe an hour 40 south to get to Laguna Seca. Mm-hmm. Well, again, I'm, this is what I do for a living. I love it. But an hour 40, one way to get to a track uh, in today's life with everything being instant, fast, and convenient, you really have to be a motor racing fan to make that drive. And, and I realize motor yeah. diehard racing fans are passionate, but that's the issue, Heidi. Again, it's kind of this domino effect. Road racing is nearly as popular as it once was. 
the amount of people left that are truly diehards who would make that hour 40 minute drive far fewer they still go to some degree but it's so far away that you commit an entire day to go do something the hotels tend to be wickedly expensive yeah start looking at all these things and go hmm monterey county board gee i wonder why your track isn't as profitable as it once was and so do you blame scramp or do you say pretty much under any promoter you're going to have significant problems yeah uh, last last very very quick things i'll mention Heidi. there's some other restrictions that they place correct they're only they only and keep in mind uh Scramp or any other promoter does not and would not set their own calendar roster each year of events. The county says they can hold no more than five major motor racing events. Period. So you say, well, yeah. hey, we're not making enough money. Well, why not hold seven? Because we're not allowed to. The county wants us to make more money, but won't let us try and rectify the problem by holding more events. So then let's add another tier. Hey, you can't keep a MotoGP because their sanction fee is too high. Uh, hey, you can't attract IndyCar because their sanction fee, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Well, so if your revenue is down because a product you're selling is n- not particularly popular, how do you go and get the big events that would draw more people, that would draw more revenue? It's a, it's a wicked catch-22. So what you get is a calendar mostly filled pardon saying this for anyone who's offended but with kind of second tier attractions nothing against Pirelli World Challenge or the Indy Light Series or the Mazda Road to Indy but they're going to be at, their finales are at uh, Laguna in a couple of weeks from now they're the headliners and again nothing against them but I don't know if many people would say aha those are headliners are going to put big numbers through uh, the gates so it's this weird cyclical thing where the county doesn't recognize the product they have is no longer that popular yeah. yet they want more money how do you do that it doesn't make sense Mike Headland hi Mike always like chatting to Mike uh, we don't always have the uh, the same views about things but uh, in 140 characters we've swapped uh, uh, or several rounds of 140 characters often when I'm sitting in an airport we've we've swapped many uh, had many good debates together Mike Headland's just tweeted in and said I have a hard time getting my friends to drive to Laguna or to Sonoma to watch me race even if I give them free tickets you know this is the this is what Marshall's saying it is it's the it's the basics nowadays of people's time uh, Jesse says surely if you can combine the two wealth uh, and ISC with success and the unreplaceable heart of the volunteer with Scramp, could that not come together to make something that is very special there? It's a fair point. Yeah, um, and, and here's a quick note to that, Heidi. And again, this is just more... Thanks, this Jesse. is why... Yeah, thank you, Jesse. This is, this is not something that's easy to solve. This is also why bringing in a new promoter is not necessarily the the fix for things it could be but it isn't an automatic thing no so because this is uh, it's a state park right it's a state Correct. park so you bring an isc and the other thing that the county wants is upgrades you and I, we love the place for those who love laguna we love laguna it's rustic okay there are a couple of new buildings there's one I think five bu- five million i think has been spent in the last 10 years there yeah, I mean, uh, from what I've heard, it's a bigger no- bigger number, but regardless right. of what the number is, there's one place I know to go where I would have something considered a modern uh, bathroom. Right. Everything else is some sort of, I hope I don't get Portable. bitten by a black widow or, you know, some <laughs> other thing. Uh, I'm just being honest. 
Uh, and there are many, again, the, it's a place that is, is definitely light on modern amenities. The county has said that they would like more money, more upgrades, uh, something to modernize the circuit. Well, it's a state park. They own it. So, for example, if they hire ISC or if they hire Pruitt and Hindoff to come in and be the promoters, it, any dollar we spend out of our own pockets, they own. Yeah. So you go, well, hey, if we get this big ISC, this NASCAR-owned company to come in and run things for us, maybe they'll do it. It's a bit like hoping people renovate the local church out of their own pocket. And you go, hey, that's great if you're a bunch of people trying to get to heaven. This is a business. Yeah. ISC is a publicly traded company. So, again, there's a little bit of this – well, I should say a little bit. It's massively out of touch. Why would you spend your own money to renovate someone else's property that you don't own, can't own, and will never get your money back on? Massive changes this year at Lime Rock Park, which in terms of geography is similar. It's not near. It's not 20 minutes away from major population. But Skip Barber has managed to get the money to pave the areas that need paid. Fantastic new lavatory blocks. Uh, new sight lines have moved a lot of dirt. Super fast internet, including internet for the for the fans and spectators. There, they've managed to do it, but they've done that on a business level by working with the series that go there. Uh, I, I, I think it's I think it's a, it's a much bigger question. My my real big issue, I think, is still the fact that it started off in uh, in secret, and I think that's that's created a lot of distrust from. The Scramp side of things. I think, by the way, that whatever anybody thinks, Scramp have got to be commended for the work that they have done over the, you know, their tenure of of Laguna Seca. But it is true that they weren't able to raise the kind of sanction fees that were required to get those big five events. Okay, Monterey Historics is big. MotoGP was great, but they couldn't, even having it there, they couldn't find a sponsor to keep it there when places like Quarter and Indianapolis were prepared to have state-sponsored money going into it. And that comes back to what you're saying about the people who own the place, which is Monterey County. I, yeah. I, have, I have a feeling it's, this is a story that's not over yet. No, and I'll just say quickly in closing, Heidi, I look, I know the folks, some of the folks at Scramp, and they've always treated me well. I know some of the folks at ISC, same thing. So, I mean, I don't really have a, any particular preference one way or the other. I just have to believe that if the county believes that bringing in someone else is going to solve all their problems, they're kidding themselves because, frankly, the county is the one that essentially creates all their own problems in reference to the track's ability to generate revenue for them. If ISC – here's just another very quick thing. Yes, they've asked ISC to come in. ISC has. They've taken a look. 90-day due diligence. They're looking at the numbers. They're – I think there's a definite belief that the county wants ISC to take over. Mm. What we don't know, and I, I haven't heard anything from those I've spoken to on the ISC side that to tell me different, that they're actually really inclined to do so. Indeed. They could they could look at things, look at the financials, look at the expectations of the county and go, that's a fool's errand. No way in hell I'm going to take that on. So, again, we don't know how this is going to end up. Do I think some sort of function and where ISC works with Scramp and there, could there be something positive from the two coming together? Yes, absolutely. My big takeaway, Heidi, after hearing all this, and as you mentioned, the, the behind closed doors approaching the set and the other, to me the big change that needs to take place are the people on the dang county board. 
Those, I mean, uh, there's one pool of idiots I've heard to come out of this, and they're on the board. They're not the promoters. No, I'd agree with that. MP, thanks very much. A quick look at uh, the Twitter coming uh, in um, to say um, how does Lime Rock Parks make its same difference in similar markets in days? Bring back n- night racing or dawn hours like Bathurst 12 hours do, evening hours as well. Um, Mike, Mark Paulson says, I corner Marshall at quarter. It's a minute. It's an hour and thirty drive one way. Plus three day camping. He's not getting paid for that as well. Regular people question why until they go. Uh, I have no shortage of friends and families going to Laguna for any event. Uh, host a great event, promote it, have Wi-Fi everywhere, and distance won't be an issue. If you've got to dedicate a dedicated a day, then make it a day night. Says Martin Webb. Um, Brett Wasserman, hello Brett, says, new this year uh, at Lime Rock, all of, the, everything was fantastic, and thanks to Skip Barber and Lime Rock Park, uh, so, uh, every track I've ever been to has got internet, uh, question mark, <laughs> says Eric Rhodes, um, mastering uh, opportunities uh, is, the op- is the way to go forwards, uh, host something that people want to see, they'll come, etc., etc., um, interesting. We'll have to see how it works out, and by no means is that a closed story. Uh, and no doubt uh, you will be able to read all about it on racer.com. Pass Paul Fanner our best for his birthday, won't you, MP? And we'll speak to you next week. Thanks, brother. Cheers, man. Marshall Pruitt joining us from California uh, with the news on his latest track, Master Race Wheel Laguna. Saying we'll have more on that in coming weeks. Uh, still got uh, a few minutes to go. You're listening to Series 10, Episodes 31. Let's get back up to London and to Tim Gray. Tim, what do you have for us? I've got some sad news, I'm afraid. Which is? A 1980 Daytona 500 champion Buddy Baker died he on did. Monday, age 74. Uh, Amazing how many people I have seen on our collective and elsewhere who have put very, very personal stories about meeting Mr. Baker and how... Uh, polite, how personable, how they made them feel like they were the best people in the world. Uh, really, just from the sound of it, a really smashing guy. I didn't have the honour, I have to say. Obviously, I knew his work, as it were, both in the car and out of it. But so many people sharing really fabulous stories about him. Uh, Baker, who was known as Gentle Giant, because he was six foot six. Uh, was a 2015 NASCAR Hall of Fame nominee and named in 1988 as one of the 50 greatest drivers all time in NASCAR. Uh, Brian France said he was an absolute treasure who would be missed dearly. Mm. Uh, he was the son of uh, NASCAR Hall of Famer Buck Baker and became the first driver to surpass the 200 mile an hour mark on a closed course while testing at Talladega in 1970. Oh, that uh, was that was. He still holds the record. For the fastest average speed at the Daytona 500, 177.6 miles an hour in 1980, uh, and has 19 wins uh, in Winston Cup to his name, uh, including the Southern 500 at Darlington in 1970, where he lapped everyone. Yes, that was, and that was the days when it was real I am stuff the Darlington stripe on the side of the car for getting up too high he continued working until last month uh, as a commentator and host of uh, the late shift on NASCAR radio 
Jim Roller has just tweeted in and he said he was the coolest guy I ever worked with. And if Jim Roller says that, knowing some of the people that he's worked with, Dave Despain, all the people he's worked with uh, in his career, both in uh, racing and basketball and other sports, that means something. Thank you, Jim, for bringing that in. It's, it, it is noticeable that... For Buddy Baker, I've seen more from normal people who say, I don't normally write in when somebody dies. I don't normally tweet when somebody dies. But I was an eight-year-old kid and this happened. Oh, I was 15 and went to my first motor race and I met Buddy Baker and, and, and. And the amount of those stories that have come out this week have been phenomenal. And um, I'm really disappointed that I never got to meet him. And it really seems he was a man of the people. Uh, so we, we pass on our... Uh, condolences to his family and friends uh, and that's uh, sadly another big name that we'll be adding to our RadioLeMond.com Hall of uh, Fame uh, and our Roll of Honour should I say for, for Le Mans next year uh, and finally Tim is Nick Damon still with us by the way yes hello of course Nick he is. I just sit very he's been sitting very quietly for 45 minutes I was researching a way of spending a lot of money foolishly are you going to bid for a massive a scale electric? Triumph TR6, I feel, well, is in his future. I'm, I'm slightly... I've, I've, been, I've had my, my, uh, my head turned by a slightly older car. Oh, really? Well, I thought... I, I kind of had this idea I might get a, what, a car from the year of my birth, so it would be a TR4. Oh, yes. An, uh, a TR4... A. A, okay. Okay. What um, was the year of your birth, Nick? Th- 1965. I could have sold you a 1965 uh, Sunbeam Alpine if you'd wanted that. Oh, uh, of course, that will allow you to reprise your louche man in a sports car role, won't it? Exactly. I, 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 I'm looking... I've, I was chatting with, uh, with Rachel. I was saying the, the main reason I'm buying it is I want her to wear a headscarf and me to wear a cravat. We need to dig up that clip again and get it placed on the... Uh, a pride of place on the collective. It's on, the, it's on the internet, I'm afraid. But, I mean, it is interesting because I am there acting love with the very famous now Sally Phillips in a show which is actually the star of was the even more famous Simon Pegg. So he's mm. gone from me to Tom Cruise. What, what, a, what a, a letdown for his career. <laughs> uh, and our pointless press release of the week is... I don't think I can top that. I'd never <laughs> realised that Nick had been in a film with Simon Pegg. Did you not realise that? TV show. TV show, TV yeah. show. If you look up... Uh, Hippies, it's called. What's it called? It's called it was a single season. It's called Hippies. Um, yeah. And the episode that I am briefly in is the one where they go to the pop festival. Yeah, if I look up Loose Man in a Sports Car. And I was uh, playing uh, Lecherous Man in Car. Lecherous Man? And the reason I was playing it, and just to, 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 uh, it's not because I have any uh, aspiration for acting, because my sister works uh, in sitcoms. She does, she's a stage manager for sitcoms, and they were out on location near where I worked. And the man who was supposed to play Lecherous Man in Cars' car broke down the M25, and she said, "Can you come and do an hour or two?" Your sister thought, "I know someone who's really lecherous." And it's only seven miles by coincidence. So did you bring the MG me. as well? No, no, the MG was a. We, I, the MG was. Um, uh, that was car was going to be used. I had to fit into his 60s louche outfit. Um, uh-huh. And I got to drive it. I said, I, the, all the pass bys with me driving, it was quite nice. But when they did the close ups, obviously it was in the trailer. Okay. Oh, uh, hippies, it's called. Uh, it's available on Amazon and other areas. Uh, and mm. I will try and 
dig it out and we'll try and put the clip on that has Nick in it. I do, I do feel it wasn't a stretch to my acting talents. No, I, 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 no. You were type, <laughs> typecast just a tiny bit. I just feel it, yeah. Just and that's bit. just about it, I think, for this evening's show. Um, we are rapidly approaching at 10 o'clock. So thank you very much to Marshall Pruitt, to Nick Damon joining us from Amsterdam, where it's an hour later than it is here. Ooh. So, yeah, so just be getting ready to go out and hit the town. Uh, <laughs> up in London was uh, Tim Gray, and the responsible adult was Eve Hewitt. I was on cooking duties tonight, uh, and thank you for all the tweets and also for the comments on the Midweek Motorsport Listeners Collective. Next week we'll be back at the same time and the same place for episode 32. And starting to get a bit chilly as the evening night uh, nighttime air traffic is going across as you can probably hear at the moment so I'm going to damp the fire down and head off in with the news that there's no time to explain uh, the llama has been being discounted it's a disgrace this programme is a radio show limited production tell your friends there's more at radiolamont.com